What is up, designers? Welcome back to the Surviving the Cancel podcast. The podcast that's all about surviving cancel culture. My name is Dallas. It's the morning of day 22. That's about 5 a.m. And I'm actually just overwhelmed with a lot of emotion for some reason. So I'm going to take a lot of time in this podcast to kind of be present with what I'm saying and you know, take pauses and really understand what it, what you know, the message that I want to deliver before I deliver it. So this might be a real timely and time-consuming podcast episode. I'm walking around here at 5 a.m. in the morning and just taking in everything. You know, I was looking at Elon Musk and his reaction to the Falcon 9 launch a few months back and how he was overwhelmed with emotion because he spent all this time to do something great, and I just. I want that for my life, and that's why I came downstairs to get this podcast out. I want these podcasts and what it extends into to be something beautiful and something great of that magnitude. And so I'm just just here ready to play and show up every day. But anyhow, without further ado, in this podcast episode, I hope you're enjoying the ambience of L.A. on this morning, by the way. In this podcast episode, what I'm going to talk about is, you know, probably the most popular story that you see revolving around your timelines. I'm going to talk about a facet of it, an offshoot of that story, okay? So the most popular story on your timelines right now is probably, you know, the whole GameStop stock situation, okay? Well, when the GameStop stock situation happened, which I don't really care or feel nothing about that situation, so I'm not going to cover that too much, but when that situation happened, uh, one of the hedge fund owners some billionaire guy went on CNBC or some news station and uh, he was talking about the situation, right? And in talking about the situation, he had a lot of subsidiary topics that he touched on. Um, I didn't actually see him talk about the situation because I don't really keep up with news or anything like that, but my girlfriend showed me a clip where he was covering one of these subsidiary topics. And the subsidiary topic that he was touching on, you know, just from the clip of what I saw, what he said was that a lot of people use this term fair share. You ever heard somebody say that? Oh, these people are taking back their fair share, getting their fair share by force. He said a lot of people use this feeling fair share, you know, this, this, this word fair share to prop themselves up as a paragon. They're falsely masquerading around as a paragon and uh, in, in wagging their little ethical finger in order to surreptitiously, you know, discriminate against people who are wealthy, people who are billionaires, people who worked all their life to earn what it is they have and to do good for the world. Okay? Now, obviously, I don't know the entirety of what he was saying, and I don't really care about what he was saying. But, you know, you see, you know, a few different ideas floating around in the internet space every day, every so often nowadays. And some of those big ideas... um, include things like you know wealth redistribution people say oh we should redistribute the wealth you know you'll see a lot of people say oh the game of wealth is rigged it's meant to keep the rich rich the billionaires billionaires and the poor people poor okay there's a lot of sentiment that people are being held down or oppressed by some invisible force they're a victim to something that's moving on to them and you see you'll see you hear people talk about things like wealth taxes you'll hear people talk about things like socialism or raising the minimum wage or you'll, say, you'll hear people say things like, I want my fair share. You know, we're not getting our fair share. These corporations are bullying us and they're not paying us enough. We're not getting our fair share. 
and so we're going to have to take it by force. Okay, you'll hear them declare so often that they want to eat the rich. Okay, and so there's a sentiment swirling in society that you know, poor people and rich people, billionaires, particularly the billionaire class, isn't a you know they're at odds. And the reason for that is that the billionaire class is an unethical and oppressive force. That's the idea that's being propagated. And so in this podcast episode, I want to explore that idea. Okay. Is what this guy saying valid? Okay. Is what this guy, you know, is there a witch hunt on the rich? Is there discrimination towards the rich? Okay. That's kind of what I want to talk about. And, And are there any weight to these ideas? that have been swirling around on social media for like, you know, the later half of the, the latter half of the last decade coming into this one. Okay. So out the gate, I want to say, I think there is, a, you know, this is a surviving cancer, surviving the cancel podcast. And so I'm going to be candid about cancel culture in the ways it's been moving throughout society. And so I'm going to be completely upfront and honest straight out the gate and say, I think what this guy is saying that particular idea, not the entirety of it, because I have no idea what the entirety of it was, is actually spot on. I think he's actually correct. I think a lot of these ideas, you know, this wealth redistribution, these socialism, this, 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 you know, uh, we're not getting our fair share. I think a lot of these ideas are bullshit, for lack of a better word. Okay? And I think spawning these ideas into society are two classes of people, really. People who are misguided, they're looking at the data that's being presented to them by life itself. These people are rich and we're not. These people did this and we did this. They're looking at the data and there's a class of people who are misguided by the data. And then there's a separate class of people along, you know, but these classes of people, you know, they, some people are like, it's a gradient. No one's like fully on one side or the other. Um, and then I think there's a separate class of people who are actually just jealous, actually just evil, actually just hateful, and sponsoring a witch hunt on people that have earned and worked for everything they got because they're angry and upset with the lives that they chose to live, okay? So those are the two classes of people I think exist, you know, within the poor. And I wanted to get out here and make this podcast episode particularly now because I'm worth absolutely zero dollars, okay? So the validity of this podcast is ripe at this particular moment Whereas as time proceeds and I become richer and richer, um, I think it's a lot less likely to be something that people take seriously, you know, with, with the advent of time. Um, but anyhow, you know, these two classes of people, the people who are misguided and the people who are full of hate, you know, the people that just want to smash someone else for no reason. I think both of these two classes of people, uh, the reason that they feel the way they feel, the reason why they are looking at the data and read, you know, and and and, and, and coming to inaccurate conclusions about this group of people, is because of the paradigms in which they live. I think a lot of people in the world see a lot of things that aren't happening and feel. you know and and receive and feel the worst of a lot of things because they're living at low-level paradigms okay the ways in which they view the world are non-refined 
because they didn't spend their life refining them. <laughs> you know, they didn't spend their, you know, their life leveling up their mentality. Okay. And I feel like it's taking a toll on them now at whatever stage they're at. Okay. I remember when I was like a, like 10 years ago when I was 14 years old. I'm not quite four, 24 yet, but I remember I was a very young kid, man. And I remember going into high school for the first time. And um, I remember going into high school, one of the most prevalent emotions or one of the most, you know, one of the, you know, one of the one of the primary focuses of my life at that point in time was obviously on a broader scale social status prestige i wanted to be accepted you know and 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 held in high regard in the community that i was when i was going into high school entering and when i was in in high school living inside of okay that was one of the very primary things but if we want to get even more specific you know, inside of that primary idea of, okay, I want prestige. I want high, I want to, I want to have high social status. One of the primary pieces of even that idea was the idea of, okay, I want to do well with the opposite sex. I want love. Okay. Coming into high school, I had been in relationships before, but like most young guys, socializing was a complete puzzle to me I didn't really understand it too well okay I would label myself now there are so many tiers of people particularly as young men in high school I want to go upstairs somebody just started up their car but there are so many tiers of people uh, within that idea of okay within that idea of I don't have social status Okay, it goes from, you know, I kind of just want a partner to like hopeless romantic all the way to like white knight and incel. There are a lot of different groups of people even within that idea. Okay, but I was, you know, I was, I, I was still with, I was still on that spectrum. Okay, I was somebody that wanted social status, that wanted a girlfriend and I didn't have it. So I would label myself like as like a hopeless romantic. Okay, me and all my homies going into high school. What kind of like hopeless romantics? Okay. And some of the primary emotions, you know, there were a lot of negative emotions that was uh, behind that label. You know, uh, you know, a lot of the times you might feel depressed. You know, you might feel outcasted because your friends, your peers don't really think much of you. You might feel lonely. I remember a lot of times sitting at wherever the hell I was sitting at, sitting at my house, you know, maybe it'd be a summer in between uh, school years and I would just sit there thinking like, damn, I wish I had somebody to lay up with. You know, I wish I had somebody to go to the movies with right now or to, you know, uh, or to watch a movie at home with, somebody to go out on a date with, somebody to go to, you know, get ice cream with. I wish I had somebody to experience this life with. You know, a lot of the days, a lot of my days, because it was just me, were very lonely. They were very dull. A lot of the times I just spent in my room and the days just stretched on and on and on and on and on with really no variation. And it was a really tough time. 
And because it was such a tough time, like it's a tough thing to be by yourself. And I bring up this conversation particularly because I know a lot of people in my life right now who are having that tough time. So maybe you can relate to the emotions of this right now. You know, you you want to share this life and be with somebody. It's a natural human instinct. And at the very least, you want a lot of good friends who hold you in high regard. You want to be somebody, you know. And so there's a lot of dense emotions behind that. And I remember coming into high school for the first time and meeting a bunch of people who resonated with that idea. Okay, because most guys, it's my opinion that most young guys have no clue how to socialize. The dynamics of socialization are a complete mystery to them. And so within high school, high school, you know, obviously that's not all guys, but that's a large category, category of guys. And when you enter in high school, you know, you'll be segregated uh, on the basis of where you, you know, you know, on the basis of how you position around that idea. Like the good guy, like the guys that were good with girls would fall into one category. The guys that were all right would fall into one category. You know, the guys who weren't would fall into a completely separate category, but they were all segregated. And so you enter in high school for the first time and you find your sector. And so a lot of guys, you know, just were completely lost socially and didn't know what to do. And they would just watch the smooth and the suave guy from, a from, from, from afar and they would feel pain on the basis of that experience. Okay. And so there's this emotion. And this is emotion that's being aggravated by experiences. And there's a group of guys who are experiencing and relating on a similar thing. And that those experiences and those emotions brought us together. Okay? And we related and bonded on the basis of it. And so it's this network of people who are just like you, who face the same problems as you, and you know they want to clear those hurdles and get to the other side someday. Essentially, you have a culture. Okay, and so you come into high school the first time and you form a culture around things like your social status, who you are within that society, how it is that you interact with the opposite sex if that's what you're attracted to. Um, and that was my high school experience for the first time. And so when you're in these cultures, when you're in these groups, you know, it's a synergistic effect. It's a network effect. Beliefs and experience and stories are exchanged at a rate that's like, that's really unlike anything in life unless you... <laughs> work at a big workplace you got 400 people of the exact same age like just swapping stories and ideas back to back to back to back and so from those experiences and from those emotions we form a set of beliefs that further define this culture we believe things okay because of the dynamics of how culture forms you're not the only one that's forming a culture in high school we had our own little culture of the so-so people and then there's a the culture of the nerds and the people who are even further below us in the social, you know, hierarchy. Then there are people above, like, you know, the you know the the the, the jocks, the athletes. Which I was a pretty good athlete in high school, but anyhow, that was later than online. We're not going to talk about that now. Uh, the people who are smooth and, you know, they're forming cultures as well. And so naturally, in this bubble that's filled with separate cultures, there's a lot of polarity. There's a lot of energy there's a lot of emotions going on and so you know we would form beliefs on the basis of all that we're experiencing right there all the stimulus that's coming in you know this other culture does this you know uh, this other culture is getting like let's say it's, it's a culture like like let's let's define this culture first off let's define this culture of hopeless romantics 
you know, for lack of better words, I don't like this term because it paints a derogatory light on me, but uh, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> uh, we're going to call this culture that I'm talking about, though, the nice guys. Okay, so there's the nice guys. And they see the guys who are suave, the guys who are getting a girl, the girls, the guys who are playing the sports, the guys who are top of the lines. And the first thing you, you know, because they're getting the result that you want, you know, just automatically, you know, really without any, without any real rationalization, just automatically, you have a bad feeling towards them. You don't really like them. And so you define them accordingly. Oh, that guy's a jock. That guy's an asshole. You know, he's a dick, you know, and then you start, you know, and on the basis of all that's happening here, more beliefs began to film, you know, begin to come forth. I remember when I was very young, one of the primary things that I believed was that having some type of charisma, whether it be romantic in a romantic environment or not, was a genetic thing. I believe you had to be born a certain type of way to exhibit some skill in that arena. Okay, I believed, well, people around me, not me particularly, believed an amazing subset of things. You know, you hear often, you know, from people in this class, oh, nice guys finish last. Nice guys finish last. Oh, she only wants an asshole. She doesn't want somebody that's going to treat her right. A lot of, you know, <laughs> oh, if you want to know, if you, if you want to get a girl to like you, you just have to show her you really love her and she's the one. You know, um, there was just a, a overwhelming amount of sentiment uh, that was almost uniformly agreed on within this culture. And it, it, you know, when you're in this culture, I remember living like this and thinking this sentiment was not all of it, obviously. We're all individuals. But I believe, you know, a lot of this sentiment was the way. This sentiment is good as truth. This sentiment is the Bible. You know, a lot of these guys that these girls are dealing with, they are bad guys, right? A lot of these girls are, are bad girls because they're going with these guys. You know, you can't tell me if you're listening to this podcast right now that you've never once in your life felt like that. Okay? Maybe you've never felt like that explicitly because I never felt like that or said that explicitly because I've never been really much of a sour person. But I can see a lot of people around me really follow that idea or those set of ideas dogmatically. Um, and so within this culture, you know, you identify a particular type of way. Beliefs spring out of that. You start to have friends and enemies and things like that. And, you know, this, just, this, this is how you live. Um, but luckily for me... When I was younger, uh, I was still in the age of information, believe it or not. If you're a younger person, you might not believe it, but I had the internet. You know, I had YouTube, and I was curious. And so during a lot of my summer times, because I had no one, I was by myself and I was alone, and I didn't want to be, uh, my mind would just, I would just sit in my room in the dark all day, really, and just chew information endlessly. Chew information endlessly. Um, I actually want to go, I want to reverse a little bit, okay, uh, I do want to emphasize that a lot of young guys, man, within this class of people with the hopeless romantics, whatever you want to call them, um, a lot of these guys, man, like, their, their, their definition of how to get a girl literally spawns from Hollywood, man, when I was a senior in high school, 
there was this guy, man, and there was this girl, and prom season was approaching. And you know when prom season is approaching, it's like like on Fallout 3, where you have the ants and you hit their antenna, you break their antenna, and they just start spazzing. It's kind of like that. And so this guy gets this bright idea, like I said, from the Hollywood movies, that there's this girl he's he likes and he's going to ask her to prom. And what he does is he gets a bear, some chocolates, and some roses, I believe it was. I wasn't there, you know, but the word travels. Um, I was in school that day, but I, you know, I wasn't where he was. And so there's a cafeteria crowded full of, like, I don't know, a bunch of 12th graders. This might have been 11th grade, actually. But it's a crowded cafeteria. And what he does in the cafeteria next will blow your mind. Barely even knows this girl. Not even friends with this girl. Never hung out with this girl outside of school. Nothing. Complete lunatic. What he does is he gets this chocolate, these bears, and, and, and his flowers. And he approaches this girl in the middle of the cafeteria and says, will you go to prom with me? I, I'm not going to lie, you know. I, I give you kudos for the, you know, for the balls that you had to do that. <laughs> but fact of the matter is she said no took the you know I guess the shit was already in her hand walks away and as she's walking away in his line of sight throws the roses and everything into the trash can and walks out of the cafeteria you know uh, just just hilarious now, if you're still at this point in your life in the class of hopeless romantics you're probably going she's an asshole She's an asshole. Nice guys finish last because you have this particular set of beliefs that drive your every move. You have this theory that, depending on how far you are down that rabbit hole, I was never very far down that rabbit hole, that the asshole, the jocks are out to get you. They're your enemy, right? They're your enemy because you're bonding on one feeling. They're bonding on something completely different. And anything that's unfamiliar to human beings is instantly a threat. I want to I wanna highlight that. Like, that's how the human psyche works, you know, from years and years and years of evolution. You have in-groups, which is people who are like you, and then you have out-groups, outcasts, people who are not alike to you. And if you have a culture, anyone that's outside of that is instantly in the out-group. And typically how it goes is we identify people who are not like us, people who are outside of our culture, as enemies, even if there's no inherent reason to why we're saying that. And that's why you have a lot of wars, a lot of beef throughout human history, particularly when people click up because they click up and they go into what's called group think like they like the like the set of ideas that are most prevalent in a group. They seemingly just align with. And that's kind of the phenomenon I want to I want to explain. I was going with in high school. And like I said, this was not like a this was never like a serious thing to me. I was just like, a, oh, you know, it would be cool if I had a girlfriend, but, you know, sad, you know, sad, sad music. Not even really sad. I don't know. I enjoyed my time. <laughs> But anyhow, for the sake of what I'm saying, uh, let's proceed to the next part like I was talking about. So during the summer times, I would churn a lot of information. I would just eat up information on YouTube. And one of the first, um, I had a lot of experiences early into my YouTube endeavors where I would come across pickup channels, okay? And, you know, at first sight, you know, I would be kind of, you know, because I'm already under... A particular culture I'm already branded a certain type of way and aligning with the beliefs of that culture I would come to a lot of pickup channels on YouTube which is obviously a completely an opposite culture it's like the asshole culture it's very reminiscent of it if you look at it the wrong way um, and at first a lot of these videos I was revolted by I was like why would you treat a woman like that like why would you 
engage someone why would you gauge anyone engage anyone like that like what well, it, it didn't make sense to me and it made me very angry and I thought these were bad guys okay which a lot of them I think to this day are kind of crooked for a completely different set of reasons but it was this you know this phase in my life that I'm describing was a phase where I would hit a you know hit something that was new or unfamiliar or, or differing to the culture that I was in and it was just in, I would read the data and I would I would make false assumptions about the data because of where I was and what I identified as okay and that happened a lot until one day I came across this YouTube channel by a guy named Owen Cook now Owen Cook his first video that actually hooked me in was about the three levels of motivation okay and so basically what I'm describing is in this video he talked about something that he called the three levels of motivation or the three tiers of motivation and essentially what he said about it is well that's not actually important you know it was just this video I believe he was walking through the redwoods he had like a red jacket and I actually really liked the video I liked his vibe he was interesting he was very articulate and he explained concepts in such a three-dimensional way that it kind of just blew my mind and so I started watching Owen Cook um so long story short how it always happens I go down his rabbit hole uh, and I discover that Owen Cook is actually a pickup artist like that's what he does now he does a lot of self-help stuff on his channel but his primary gig is picking up women and uh, just serendipitously being fascinated by you know the intelligence of this dude and and also the humor and the kindness of him as opposed to some of the other guys how they were brash and took jokes too far and things like that I kind of just slipped down the slippery slope and started listening to this pickup material and it's not something that resonated with me out the gate it was something that I resisted on a very deep level but for some reason I just started listening to me I just started listening to it listening to it listening to it listening to it and as time had went on you know uh, I still listen to him 10 years later but you know we went to sophomore year I'm still listening to this guy and then sophomore year is flying by I'm listening to this guy I'm listening to this guy I'm listening to this guy and as I'm listening to this guy who I believe myself to be starts to change I start to understand like paradox like ideas that I harbor for myself like the idea that you know being charismatic was something that was inherent to a person and not something that was gained through trials ideas like that started to melt ideas like okay these guys who talk to women and have successful women are assholes for the way the way they do it started to melt you know ideas like oh if you you know you gotta you gotta show her these the one and impress her with these grand gestures these ideas started to melt and I started to understand the other side of the conversation okay and so I began to be a deserter of that initial you know that original culture of the hopeless romantic and I started to take on an entirely new culture as I started to listen to this guy and 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 and, and change who I saw myself as you know um let me slow down and think about what I'm going to say right here because my, my I'm, I'm running into a blank right now for some reason when I started to listen to Owen Cook and change how I saw myself you know the old ideas that I would relate to began to fade in the rearview mirror and I started to grow further and further and further away from who I saw myself and the people that I related to I started to change culture I started to practice what he was preaching to me and through those efforts I started to have a whole new set of realizations 
a whole new set of epiphanies. You know, I began to become more refined. And not only did I become, you know, become more refined, you know, the, you know, the primary paradigms that were driving my life had began to upgrade, had began to elevate. And whereas I wanted to get to the other side of this journey and be not even just romantically, because, you know, romance to me wasn't really the biggest thing. It was a big thing, but it wasn't the biggest thing. Um, I mean, it was one of the biggest things, don't get me wrong, but I just wanted to be somebody in general. You know, that's what wrestling was about for me. When I wrestled and I won, people saw me as somebody. And these principles were like overlapping this entire our entire sports journey that I was going. I was learning so much about myself in so, such a small span of time. You know, and the primary, you know, the paradigms that were driving my life, like I said, had began to alter. And before it, where I wanted to get to the other side of the hill and become someone that people liked and become someone that was likable and become someone that was popular and become someone that had a girlfriend or had somebody to share with my time with, I started to actually progress in that journey, get past the hurdles, and eventually got to the other side. And essentially for me, getting to the other side meant progressing from the hopeless romantic culture to who people called and who, who people defined as an asshole. And guess what happened when you get to, when you get to the other side? All the paradigms and the ideas that were harbored by the hopeless romantics, my friend group, my friends, started to become unfamiliar to me. Well, they weren't unfamiliar to me. I understood them, but I didn't feel them anymore. And I started to look at the beliefs that I used to have and that some of these people have, and I started to realize how misguided they were. Okay, I realized undertaking this journey because by my senior year you know uh man my friends when we were younger like they would get mad like at one of the even get mad at their friends if they got a girlfriend and was hanging out with a girl their girlfriend and they get mad like people started to like me and things like that people started to think i was cool you know i was a, a champion in wrestling so people was excited and inspired by that i had a you know by the time i graduated you know some of the underclassmen like i said in the last podcast you know, even looked up to me and, and, and things like that. Even people some, some in my class looked up to me for my wrestling ability. And uh, my senior year, like, talking to, you know, the opposite sex was even, it, like, it, you know, there was, no, there was no longer a tension or a difficulty to it, okay? And so, as, in essence, I got to the other side and I became what people would define as, oh, this is the jock or this is the asshole. I remember even a year after that when I was at Royal Farms, when I was working, I was standing at the register one day with my buddy Deontay because I worked at this place called Royal Farms up in Maryland. And I was sitting at the cash register and I was like on the right side furthest. No, no, I was on the left side, okay? So the line would come up to the cash register and most people would come to the cash register on the left side because it's just it's just closest to the line. It's just closest, like it, it's the most convenient, okay? And, and then, there's this cash register on the right, okay, and um, it's a little further away. It's by the wall, and I remember these two, these two young ladies or old ladies or whatever the hell they were. I don't remember. Uh, walked up like I, I got. I didn't even. I, I wasn't. I didn't even really notice they were there because I was on autopilot. But they walked up, bought their stuff, and left. Didn't say anything to me. Didn't say anything about me. Nothing like that. And Deontay turned to me. He said. They only went to you because, like, they think you're more handsome. 
like you're like a jock and you're like more handsome and they, you know girls like that kind of stuff and that was one of the moments that, that was really the moment that solidified in my mind like oh shit I remember I used to feel that way I remember I used to believe these things and harbor these ideas and, and feel that way about the world around me and so looking back in moments like that and even moments prior to that when I was still a senior in high school you know let me take a moment here to refine what it is I'm about to say before I, before I deliver it because I want it to, to, to make sense I realized as I had said already I was making false assumptions about the data because my life were driven by low-level paradigms you know I realized like I even reviewing Owen Cook videos I would look in fascination at you know the archetype that I came from within the pickup community they have these people called white knights which is their label for what I would call now or what I'm calling now the hopeless romantic and essentially what the white knights are is people that think they're the savior or they're going to swoop in and save the girl um, they're like nerds and hopeless romantics and, and people like we were you know what I'm saying um, now I'm not referring to anybody that's like radical or anything like that because some of these people do get bad and that's never a good thing but uh, I would watch a lot of videos where Owen Cook would be out on the streets and he'd be talking to a girl and she would be laughing and he would be laughing and, and they would be having like the best time of their lives. Like they would, they would be having a very good time and a very good day. And just like we felt at one point in time, these, these guys that he called white knights would, would take issue with it. Like, oh, she's laughing with this guy. Ugh. Like, like he, he must be harassing her. And they go up to him in these videos and literally say, why are you harassing this girl? Why are you bothering this girl? Is he bothering you? Leave him alone. And she's like, no, I, re I really like the guy. He's like, no, like he couldn't accept it. Like they, they wouldn't be able to accept it. I remember was this one guy that was dressed in like a white button up and a, a, a vest. And he just couldn't accept the fact that his girl was having fun with this guy, it, you know, and partying and, and having a good time. You know, and I remember being younger looking at these people like all they do is party and drink and smoke and do stupid stuff like that. These dangerous stuff like that that people shouldn't be doing like. You know, saying things like that. Like, you put down these people for doing things that is actually fun. And you do that under the guise of, oh, I'm a good guy. Oh, I'm a nice guy. They, they use that label professionally. Oh, I'm a nice guy. Oh, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. And looking back, you know, when these para, you know, these old, weak paradigms begin to upgrade and become more refined, you start to realize not only were you at a point in time misreading the data, making false assumptions about what it was that was happening, you know, because you were coming from a low-level, petty paradigm, you were unrefined as a person, because you were unhappy and soiled as a person. But if you even dig to a deeper level, you were doing more harm than anybody in the situation. Okay? I looked at what our behavior and what we were doing. Like, we were hate, hating like on a lot of these, you know, assholes, as we call them. We hate on these assholes because they were throwing, doing things that were like fun and like cool and for some reason that was against our code or we thought that was unethical and you know they would do evil things like have sex and I wouldn't even think about having sex with a girl like you know I'm ethical I'm good I don't just want them for the sex like and completely ignore the fact that these girls were willing participants and they wanted that too like that was 
you know, something that they enjoy doing. You know, I realize that a lot of our, you know, man, you look at, you know, man, it's just so much to say about this. Let me pause for a little bit and gather my thoughts on this idea before before I deliver it. You realize a lot of these supposed assholes are actually people that are delivering the value like what the nice guy thinks is that the value is what he defines it okay here let me let me deliver you know the paradigm that you come from as somebody that's a quote-unquote nice guy okay there are two really major paradigms that govern the entire thing you know and these paradigms can be cataloged by the Maslow's hierarchy of needs okay just just as a guide like I don't know how accurate that pyramid is but it's a guide at the bottom of the pyramid are things like you know safety needs love and belonging physiological needs food water shelter things like that Uh, you know these are this is this is a progression of human motivation is what this pyramid is and it's the things you want at the bottom of the pyramid it's like physiological needs notice that's something that you want okay you go to the next level security needs that's something that you want you need it does it's not a statement on other people but as you progress up the pyramid you hit things like love and belonging as you progress up the pyramid you hit prestige and these things kind of involve recognizing the cognition of other people but as you get to the top of the pyramid you go to some place different you know it's self-mastery then self-transcendence which means to literally go beyond oneself at the very top of the pyramid right and so at the top of the pyramid that paradigm is collaboration is what I like to call it. Okay, you, of course you need things for yourself to live. You don't forget the principles and the paradigms that you started with. You just add new and better ones on top of them. And the top, you know, so the competitive paradigm, it stays and it always exists. But those are the, you know, uh, but, but at the top of the pyramid is this collaborative paradigm. And what collaboration is, is essentially it's a win-win. Okay, collaboration is like, okay, I'm going to get what I want because I have to live and survive as a human being. I'm going to win. But there's not just a win-loss situation. Collaboration, which, what, which I believe is the paradigm a lot of these people who we define as assholes were thinking from, like, uh, you know, they were operating from a collaborative state of mind. And so it's a win-win situation, okay? I, I don't know how better to define it. And what the, what the nice guy, you know, he's thinking from a competitive frame of mind, okay? And so he's thinking from a win-loss frame of mind and you can see it in what a lot of these people do and what a lot of these people believe okay um you're operating from a self-serving frame of mind and so um a lot of people in the world think this way and feel this way they think competitively they think okay if i win or somebody wins in this world i have to lose or somebody has to lose there can never be win-win situations where both parties excel there has to be one party that fails as a result of another success. You know, they live in a scarcity mindset where there's never enough resources for both people. Okay? And so, essentially, in order to win, what they align themselves to do is to take so another party can lose. This is really breaking down, like, the psychology. I didn't even intend to go, like, this deep, but I'm breaking down the psychology of how these, quote-unquote, nice guys would think. And so, when you look at the anatomy of a nice guy, in its true, you know, in its true raw state, 
you know, because you've blown past that. I remember looking at some of these people that call themselves the nice guys and realizing what they were really doing. You know, look at look at the way they approach women. Like a lot of them think like, like they say things like, how could a girl like that ever like a guy like me? Like they think they're not valuable. Like they think, oh, let me, let me just show her that she's the one that I love her. Let me give myself, let me give her everything. They think they're low value. And so what a lot of nice guys do is, whereas somebody that they would find as an asshole approaches the situation transparently and meets someone like on an on a, on a even playing field where they're equals and they see everything about each other and they accept everything about each other. Um, what a nice guy, because he thinks he's low value, he thinks he's essentially garbage, he thinks he's a parasite, he knows he's a parasite. What he does is that he sneaks and deceptively conceals his personality, conceals his true intentions, and operates as a friend. You know, that's why they say, oh, I got friend zone. They paint themselves as this perfect, completely amical person that doesn't want anything from this girl when they're really concealing, like under, the, you know, the, when the underbelly of it all is this person that is like, like you really don't care about this person. You just want some, you just want sex. So you just want, you just want to be your girlfriend. But notice it's a win-lose situation. Because if this person becomes your girlfriend, think about it. You don't even think you deserve this person. How could she ever like a girl like guy like me? You don't even value yourself. So essentially, you disguise yourself as a nice guy in order to trick this person, in order to deceive this person into dating some, dating you, the person that you don't even think is worth it. Like you think you're like it's like it's like you're like this low quality like. You know, Gucci, like a fake Gucci bag. It's low quality, it's cheap, it's made of trash, and you're trying to dis like disguise yourself. You're like, you're perfect, you're nice, you're her best friend, you're all these things, you don't want anything, you don't care about the sex, and you're trying to sell her this Gucci bag. And you're saying, that's, okay, I'm nice. I'm a nice guy. It, it'll be things like this. Like, you know, the point of what I'm saying is, it'll be things like, you know, uh, instances like this that really expose when you get to the next paradigm the flaws of the paradigms in which you originated. Really, when you're calling this other person the asshole, you're the bad one. You're the toxic one. And then you notice, you know, you don't even allow this person free will because you don't care any because it's a win-loss. You know, you have to deceive, you have to deceive her because you want to win, but at her expense. You know, and then when you lose, or quote unquote lose, you're like you don't even respect this person's free will enough. You don't even respect them enough because the moment they decide to date somebody else, oh, she's trash. She doesn't even deserve a guy like you, bro. She, she only likes assholes. She's a gold digger. She's stupid. You know, nice guys finish like you get angry. You can't even, you're like, you're such a parasite. You can't even fathom the fact that someone else would choose someone that they liked even if you were an option. Like, that people would choose what they wanted out of life. Like, bizarre, right? Like, people... People want things that are not you. So unfathomable. Wow. And you have these weird meltdowns. You join these incel groups. You know, you, you, you do bad things. But you're the nice guy, right? Let a girl deny a nice guy through text or through or conversation. See how they react. The facade suddenly lifts up because you were trying to deceive somebody into a win-lose situation. You escape these paradigms and you look at you know, what was really going on, and you realize this was the toxic community. This was the toxic culture. This was the nasty underbelly, you know? And you were talking about the assholes, but the fact of the matter is, the only reason you thought the asshole was an asshole 
because you were coming from a low level paradigm that didn't understand the meaning of their goodwill. Okay? You say, oh, he makes her do the party and, and the drugs and he has sex. So he thinks she's a slut that's only worth sex. Okay? But what you fail to realize is this person, although it might not be your way of going about things, the only reason they're operating like that, and which is the reason that they get the girl, is because they're operating on the basis of what the girl actually wants. Society is transactional in that way. People will give you what you want when you give them what they want. And the form of value that she wants is inherent in him. And it's obvious by the fact that they do transact. That they do like each other. They do love each other. They get in relationships. But because you're in a win-loss state of mind, you can never fathom giving another person what it is that they want. You can never fathom you know, having somebody win because that means you would lose. You're only thinking about yourself. The moment I got to the other side, and I've always been a really considerate person, but it really is just emphasized that, wow, you were completely unempathetic to the needs, the wants and the desires to these other people. You know, like I said, I want to remove me from the example. I'm just giving like, I'm just trying to follow the, follow the story for example's sake. Like, this is not like literally me, but in, in some instances, but not, not weird instances like being unempathetic and things like that, but you get what I'm saying, okay? Um, yeah, like you were the toxic party to begin with, whereas this person was meeting them, like they're showing up valuable first off, and they're not throwing themselves on the floor at somebody because they know they have something to offer that person. And so their meaning is equal and no equal exchanges. You can't fathom that. So you'll make up false narratives because this is not a possibility. This is not a possibility in your mind. Okay. You know, it's like somebody that makes a million dollars. You know, if that's not a possibility in your mind as a poor person, you're going to make up a false narrative for how it happened. Because your paradigm is so low and unrefined. You're going to look at the data. Oh, he has a million dollars. And then you're going to make a false assumption. Because that's the only assumption that allows this occurrence to actually be facilitated in the world that you envision. You understand what I mean? It's a low-level toxic paradigm that'll misconstrue you and throw you off the scent of reality and the real genuine helpfulness and, 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 and peacefulness and joy of this other person or this other entity or this other group of people. That's really the entire point of this podcast episode. And so I kind of want to make a transition here. I use that to say, like, the reason that um, a lot of these people, like, go on the Internet and they look at these people who are rich. They look at these people who have it all. What I'm suggesting in this podcast episode is that what happened to us young guys uh, in our mind in the way we were thinking how we would look at data and make false, false assumptions because we were thinking from a too low level of a paradigm is what's happening with a lot of these people when they look at the rich when they look at billionaires you understand know what I mean because let me take a moment once again to kind of wrap, wrap my head around I'm kind of going off the track somebody walked past and distracted me a little bit It's a very beautiful night out here in LA. I hope you all enjoying this podcast episode so far, by the way. 
Yeah. So essentially what I'm saying is that because the masses and people who are struggling in life are at such a low and unrefined paradigm, unrefined level paradigm, uh, unrefined level paradigm, unrefined level, and thinking from such unrefined paradigms, um, they see the data of rich people and they're drawing false assumptions from it, just like, you know, the guys were back in the day. Okay, you see the ways in which rich people try to help. And because you're stuck in this in-group and they're the out-group, you make up fantasies about what it is that's actually going on. It's no, if these are the enemy, it's no possible way they could be helping you. It's like somebody that's out in the wild and they fought all their life and they see another human being. You ever see that, like, that, that event like in the movies, like they see somebody out in the wild, like out in a cage or something like that and they got a spear and like people are like, hey, I want to help you. And they like try to kill them and back it up and run it away and things like that. And you're like, man, I just want to talk. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Like, you know, um, like, man, if that's the paradigm that you grew up under, you know, that's all you'll be able to envision in, in, in the world. You know, it's like these people, uh, there's an uncontacted tribe, uh, I believe on a Centennial Island or something like that. Um, and the guy was going over there in a boat, which I, <laughs> I think they might've been probably right in this situation, but the guy is going over there on a boat and they shoot him and kill him with arrows or something like that. And he might have just wanted to talk, <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you lived in a, a condition where, you know, survival of the fittest, sink or swim, it's win or loss, you can never envision a situation where someone comes over and, and they get the information that they want and they win and you win as well. You understand what I'm saying? It might be a bad, bad little metaphor, but you kind of you get what I'm saying. Okay, so it's pretty early in the morning. I've been woke since yesterday, so I'm, I'm losing steam at this point. So I pause for a little bit to kind of collect my thoughts. But yeah, if you're at a lower paradigm and you don't realize it, everything co like coming from like some people obviously are bad and trying to harm you. That's undisputed. But the ideas that are coming and suggestions coming from a higher paradigm often seem bad. Okay. And so I'll give you like a situation like in, ter like in terms of like the road to riches. Okay. For the last three, four years, you know, I've been on the road to building my own business and I hope to create something that's worth a billion dollars one day, something that's a hundred billion dollars one day, that's, 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 that's of a <laughs> insane magnitude. I hope to create something that changes the world that people look at like, man, this is a beautiful thing. Um, but as I'm on this journey, uh, I've had a lot of trouble getting to the goals that I want and getting to the other side. And one of the major reasons for it, hold on, there's a cat right here. So I'm going to go get this food. I bought some food for him so that he can eat it. Um, I hope he doesn't run away. Please don't run away, buddy. Um, yeah. So getting to the other side, just like when, you know, I wanted to get to the other side and be, be somebody that's suave, be somebody that has charisma, uh, which eventually I became, but there were a lot of hurdles along the way. And a lot of the things that I thought the paradigms that I had in my mind had to fall to the wayside and be replaced or added uh, alongside new ones and new and upgraded versions of them uh, on this journey to have money and being one of these rich people, you know, which by the way, I'm coming from the same place as you. I'm coming from, you know, real poverty. I'm coming from being poor. I'm coming from this place, you know, uh, and so I'm having some of the, I've, I've had a lot of the same feelings and sentiment, sentiments and ideas towards rich people that you might have now. Okay, and that's why I'm saying this, Ms. Guy. And so, but 
I'm on a similar journey that I went on back then, now, but just with a different target, with a different outcome in mind. I'm sorry, y'all, if y'all hear me going in the car, I'm trying to grab this food for this kitty cat so he can eat. Where's the can? Here we go. Let's go. I've been looking for this dude for like a month. You know, and as I'm, you know, learning new ideas and and gaining new paradigms and, and, and starting to understand the people who are wealthy and have things in the world, I'm starting to, once again, look back at the cultures of poor people and angry people at lower paradigms that are misunderstanding the rich perpetually that I came from. And so now to me, it's very clear how living at a lower paradigm or a low, you know, living, yeah, like operating from a lower paradigm is disturbing, you know, the purity of the message. And I look at situations like what's happening on the internet today and it, it really blows my mind. Like, you know, like, let me give you a, like an example. Like, for example, somebody that's rich because they've gone on this journey already and they understand what it takes to be rich. Um, they might say something like, oh, like, let's not give anybody any handouts. Oh, the cat's waiting for me. Let's not give anybody any handouts. Handouts are bad. Okay, they might say something like that. Did he run away just that quick? Oh, come on, buddy. I got some food for you. Kitty, kitty. I got some food for you, kitty. I got some food for you. Oh. Kitty cat. I got some food for you, kitty cat. Oh, I'm trying to feed this little dude. Let me mush it up for him so he can actually eat it. Oh. Yeah, um, hold on, I'm gonna pause this podcast actually so I can take a picture of this little kitty cat. Alright, I'm back. Uh, it's pretty early now. I'm being foolish right now, but I want to finish this podcast episode strong and on a, on a coherent note that's not feeding cats. So let's get right into it. Um, yeah, essentially what I was saying, like, if you think about it, like, back in the past, you know, and I've been slandering, like saying poor people this entire podcast. I'm poor, I'm poor people. So I understand where these ideas, where these thoughts and where these sentiments come from. And so back in the past where somebody rich would say, oh, no handouts. You know, I don't want to give anybody any handouts. I would assume that was coming from a, a you know, malevolent place in their heart. You know, I'd be like, oh, this person just doesn't want people to have money because it means then their money won't matter. They won't have less money or anything like that. But the more you upgrade the paradigms that you live by and see what you know and, and, and start to learn from some of these people you start to realize things that people say like that which is what I'm talking about data that we make false assumptions on you know we realize that the assumptions that we made on them were false we start to see the data and clarity and see the true intentions behind what they're doing and so they'll see don't give handouts but people, while people to take it to, take it to mean like, oh, this person's evil. He doesn't want me to have any money. What it really means at the end of the day is like, I don't want to give this person any handouts because giving them money would actually rob them of you know the true meaning of get you know the true uh, the true point of getting money in the first place. Like you, like me, I'm in on this pursuit of. Uh, you know for income I've gone a long way just to try to get rich okay I've went a long way so far in my life really just to try to get rich but as I'm on this journey and I'm pursuing riches like 
even still, as I, ha I I don't have money, like my old paradigms that begin to perish and begin replace, you know, be, uh, be replaced by new ones. And what I think I should, um, you know, or just what I think about certain situations is becoming different. And so, um, I'm, I'm, you know, even even the idea, like even things like, okay, I want money. Okay, even that I like like my primary pursuit of cash is begins to alter into something different. And whereas before I was on a constant and hungry pursuit of cash, you know, I got a little payment of two grand for a product that I sold a little bit for like one or two people. But right after that, you know, I'm still at zero dollars, but this pursuit has turned me into a person where my primary focus is not even money anymore. You know, I've grown past the point of desiring money and that being the one thing that I'm fixated on. Okay, who I'm who I'm becoming as a person is more valuable than money at this point in time. What the journey has taught me is more valuable than money. And as somebody on that journey, I can see that. And so when someone says, don't give anyone a handout, essentially what they're saying is, no, it's, it's not that I don't want this person to have money. I want this person to have money, of course. But at the same time, I don't want them to have money at the expense of who they would become if they had if they didn't have it and they had to pursue it instead you understand what i'm saying like it's like the incel you know owen cook would actually come to some of these white knights sometimes and he would say the white knights like like he would try to help them get girls and they're like no no i don't want to do it that way no no that's disrespect no 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 you know and the fact of the matter is the paradigm that they're operating at you know it, it disables them from seeing the true beauty in what he's doing okay so if you're somebody that just wants money that's the that's the thing you know at the forefront of your mind at all times when somebody takes it from you it's gonna be like a pit bull when you take their food okay but and it might seem like that act is evil because you're having misconceptions about the data that you're seeing but really this person is trying to help you they're trying to save you because if you take an incel for example like one of these hopeless romantic guys from my high school they're not exactly incels they're not bad people okay um, some of the things they might think might be particularly negative, but they're not bad. Uh, well, some of them are bad. I mean, yeah, some of them were bad. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, not my friends, anyhow. <laughs> but you take this person that's, you know, oh, why would a girl ever like someone like me? They understand they're of low value and that people shouldn't necessarily go with them and they got to trick people into going with them. If you just take that person and you give them a girlfriend, what do you rob them of? Yeah, they got what they wanted. Yeah, they got what I want, what they wanted, but the person they had to become in order to get a girlfriend in the first place vanishes into darkness. But if I said no, she shouldn't date you, I would be a bad person to that to that guy. No, just don't get a girlfriend. I would be the bad person. Okay, it's like in sports. If I just gave you the state title, I was a wrestler. That's one of the things I wanted. The journey of wrestling, I never won a state title. But the person, the ideas that I, I learned, the person I became on the way, you know, it was more than, it was worth a hundredfold more than what the state title would have been worth. Yeah, I want a state title, but this person that I become, um, this business journey would have never started if I didn't become that person. Where I'll go in life is completely altered forever if I never become this person. If they give me a state title with minimal effort, you know, I never, I never experienced the beauty that the rest of my life could be. You understand what I'm saying? And so it, it's funny, but in a funny way, like, 
you know, you're unable to see that when you're like coming from lower paradigms. And so because of the way your mind is fixed on a certain out- income and fixed on believing in a certain thing about a certain set of people, they call it, it's a, it's a cognitive bias called the commitment consistency bias. You're like, despite all evidence, you'll only try to reinforce that which you already believe. And so, you know, people who are in lower paradigms, like they, they, like they completely ignore, like you can tell that they're kind of just stuck in their ways and they don't care about the real meaning of what these people are doing because, you know, real reason about what billionaires are doing because if you break it down as a simple facts, you know, the only way for someone to become a billionaire, just like the only way for somebody to get a girl is to give the world a billion dollars worth of value. Give them value that they pay for. That's the only way. There is no the only way to become rich is to give people something that they want so bad that they're willing to pay for. They they're willing to pay for it. That's the only way. Like Elon Musk said, I think it's this quote, you know, if you want to become a billionaire, solve uh Oh, I think I think he said the the your income is equivalent to the magnitude of problems that you solve for this world, and so Jeff Bezos is a billionaire because he solved, like I said, uh, logistics in terms of you know mailing and packages and things like that for people who want that. Elon Musk is one of the richest people in the world because he solved the problem of one of the biggest problems threatening humanity, you know, climate change from emissions coming from cars, from gas vehicles, internal combustion engines that were ruining the environment. And people started, guess what, buying his cars because he made an easier solution to exchanging cash online, PayPal. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you look around us at the entire world, nearly everything that you enjoy about this place, if billionaires disappeared or never existed, would go right along with them. You know, people just completely overlook all the value that these people provide. You know, and I'm 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 kind of tired, so I'm I'm sorry if I'm just rambling and I'm not making sense any longer at this point. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's it's just completely absurd. You know, it, it's an absurd thing to believe that these people are evil or these people are corrupt and these people provide no value to you and they just want to take from you and they just want to hold you down. Um, it's it's crazy. I mean, you, the reason you think that is because you're at a lower level paradigm. You can't understand what's happening above your head. You know, it's like a drug dealer or a drug addict. You know, if you come to a drug addict and you say, "No, I don't want to give you drugs," because all they want is drugs, and they're so beat down that a di- they're a completely different paradigm. They're a below a below mainstream paradigm. They're operating in like a zombie type of paradigm. You know, <laughs> you say no drugs, they'll think you're a bad person. Say no, I don't want to give you money because you're going to buy drugs. They're going to think you're a bad person. I've dealt with people like this before. They thought I was a bad person because I didn't want to fuel their habit because I didn't want to be an enabler and help them kill themselves. Because all that they can think about is you're not helping me be happy and get the drugs that I want. Isn't drugs important to everybody? No, that's just you because you're a drug addict. I'm a bad person to you, but you're completely unable to understand the fact that I'm doing the best thing that anybody could do for you not supporting a bad habit it's like a kid to a parent kids and parents because they're different stages of life live through different paradigms oh mom can i go to the store no oh they say oh man i can't go to the store i can't go down the block to my friend's house um and you're like okay my mom is the most evil person in the world my mom is bad 
But the fact of the matter is, your mother is just at, like, like the paradigm that she's thinking from is just different. She's aware that if you go to the store, um, the world is not all sunshine and roses like you believe it is. You can get killed, you can get kidnapped, you can get robbed, you can get hurt really badly. But you're, you're, you're in a place in your life where you don't really understand this because your worldview is completely different. You're at a different level. You haven't been refined to that point through life. You haven't acquired the wisdom in order to understand the idea that's being passed off to you. You know, it's, it's crazy, you know. People say things like, oh, the system is rigged. The system is rigged, you know. And it's meant to keep rich people rich and poor people poor and things like that. But here's the like this this is really one of, something that I really wanted to put a pin in because not only man like it's man I remember when I first started on this journey of trying to like like consciously trying to get rich in a capitalistic society my main goal at one point in time became to build a machine that facilitates capital because we live in a capitalistic society, right? That makes complete sense to everybody, you know, listen, which that machine is a business, by the way. It's the only thing that does that. And you know what people around me started to say? Oh, why don't you just go to school? Oh, why don't you just get a job? Oh, you should do, like, not just family, not just my parents, not just friends, strangers on the street. They say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm trying to make a business. Uh, they look at you some type of way. When you're trying to intentionally create money, when you're trying to intentionally get money, it's a weird thing to do. And so I've went through this process for three, four years now, and I've never met another singular individual in my life. I don't know many people, though, that was purposely going out of their way to try to create a machine that creates capital. Never met a single one. So when you say things like, oh, the society is rigged to keep rich people rich and poor people poor. One of the most puzzling things about that in the first place is that, can you explain to me the last time you intentionally went out of your way to try and get rich? Not the ways you think gets you rich, but when's the last time you explicitly tried to get rich? Tried to learn and actually put an earnest effort into making capital. Most people that say that the system is rigged never try to actually get rich in their life. So how do you come to that conclusion in the first place if you never even tried? Like, like, it's, it's, like that's one of the things that got on my skin the most because I've been trying and trying and trying and I don't really know anybody else has been trying as long or as hard as me. But the system is rigged. How do you know? When's the last time you put you know, as much effort or much t as much time into this you know, as you did into like a college degree or something like that. Because it took four years to become an expert at whatever discipline you're an expert at, right? But you've, you know, so, so you understand it takes that amount of time to, to get good at something, whatever your career might be, but you've never actually put that same amount of time into getting rich. Like something that's purely meant to get rich, not something that's meant to, you know, serve as a useful career, but something that's literally meant to get rich. You've never put that amount of time into something like that. So how is your opinion that, you know, society is meant to keep rich people rich and poor people poor? How is that valid if you never even tried to be rich? And it, 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 it super duper blows my mind, man, because it's like, 
people who complain and, and say someone is holding them down or they're oppressed or whatever it might be, they don't even try. Not only do they not try, they don't even care. They don't even care. Like I could see if you earnestly cared, but most people don't. And you know how I know? Because these people that you think are against you, they have a million and one free resources. Step by step showing you how to do what they did. But the system that they're you know a, a proponent of is meant to keep them rich and you poor. But they're showing you how to be rich. And you've never once in your single life investigated that. What'd you do today? What'd you do yesterday? What'd you do today before? Did you investigate how it is that you actually get rich? You know, just the other day, I went on my Instagram page, right? And I posted on my story, because surprise, it's on YouTube. There's a channel called Greylock Partners. And there are billionaires on this channel. They're, they're teaching a Stanford class, you know, but you can watch the whole Stanford class on YouTube for free. Um, these billionaires come in the class, and essentially what they do is teach step-by-step step how they grew their company to a billion dollars. Now, not just any ordinary ragtag billionaire, like the billionaires, 100 billion, 400 billion dollar companies. Reed Hastings from Netflix is teaching how he built Netflix on this channel for free right now. Brian Chesky from Airbnb is teaching you how to build Airbnb, how he built Airbnb on this channel right now. Eric Schmidt, I think that was his name, CEO of Google for essentially 20 years, CEO and chairman of Google for essentially 20 years, is teaching you exactly what he did to help grow Google right now. The dude is worth $14 billion. Reed Hoffman, it's his channel essentially. He built LinkedIn. Hundreds of millions, hundreds of billions, not millions, billion, billions of dollars of companies, of revenue, just on the channel for free, telling you step by step how you did it. I posted on my story. Can you guess how many click how many people clicked on that link? A big fat zero. A big fat zero. No one clicked on the link. And then I posted something else. Another, you know, there's, if I were to tell you there was a billionaire out here, not a billionaire, but somebody who's built a billion dollar, $1.5 billion company, doing 150 million in revenue every single year, that's 12, 13 million dollars a month. And they documented every step of the way, day by day by day by day by day, damn near. Would you click on their video? I mean, would, 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 you, would, would you listen to it? Would you listen to what this person had to say? I'm just erratically, I'm tired. Well, a lot of people would say yes, but believe it or not, they won't. Because I posted that too. Zero clicks. Zero. His name's Russell Brunson. Y'all all know Russell Brunson. His Marketing Secrets podcast is literally how he grew ClickFunnels to $1.5 billion valuation in five years flat. Fastest growing software as a service, non-VC backed company of all time, probably. Of all time. Zero clicks. So how is it that you can say the system is rigged to keep poor people poor and rich people rich if you've never tried to intentionally become rich? And whenever presented with the information of, oh, this is how you become rich, you completely don't, you, you don't care about it. You just ignore it. You just brush it under the rug. How is it that you can say that at this point in time? You know, the truth of the matter is that a lot of people just don't care nothing about being rich. You know? My father asked me one time because I kept like, you know, 
telling him about these people and how much they were making and their networks and things like that. You know, he's like, why, you know, how do, why you, why you know what other people make? Like, why are you so obsessed about that? And I'm like, if I want to be rich, I should at least keep track of the things that are already making money and where money is already going. Can you honestly right now tell me you know where money is going or who has what? What's Tom Brady's wife network? What's Tom Brady's network? Even popular people, Jay-Z, Rihanna, Jeff Bezos, Brian Chesky, you know what I'm saying? Sam Altman, Paul Graham. People don't even know these people's names. Who is the CEO? Like a lot of people on Twitter uh, who was talking crap about billionaires a few months back and they were talking about Tim Cook. I'm like, Tim Cook, a few months back, he wasn't even a billionaire when they were talking about him being a billionaire. Like if you don't even know where money is going, how can you understand why it's going? What's happening? What's making it happen? You don't even know. A lot of people talk crap and say, oh, this, you know, it's the system is the reason. The system is the reason. But you haven't put a single shred of effort forth in the first place. So how is it? How, so, so, so tell me again. How is, it, how is it the system that's doing this and not you? It's like, oh, you know, the system is keeping buff people buff and skinny people skinny. Right? But at the same time, you don't know any diet plans, any workout plans. You don't know how you get buff. You don't know anything about it. You never seen a gym. You never seen a treadmill. But suddenly your opinion on that is valid. Oh, it's the system. It's the system. It's, it's the wealthy. It's the mega wealthy. They're doing it. I don't want to stress my throat out too much, so I'm going to stop talking like that. But, um, yeah, you know, in... in so, so all of these ideas, I'm just naming, rattling off a list of ideas that are, that I associate with, you know, just thinking about things from a lower level paradigm, okay? These are some of the things that people say. These are some of the things that they believe in. These are the counter arguments to those ideas, okay? Like, even if you think about, like, you know, like I said, I, mean, I think the similarities between people who talk about wealth distribution and people who talk about socialism and eating the rich and, and, you know, the simulators between them and these kids that I went to school with is that, is that really <coughs> their paradigms are exactly the same. You know, it's win-lose. If the rich are rich, then I must be poor. That must be the reason. Instead of win-win, if the rich are rich, they earn to be rich and I can be rich too. And that's why I say things like wealth distribution. You notice that? Because they're the same exact paradigms as these people. Because if, you know, if I'm in to get what I want out of life, the rich... The billionaires have to lose what they earn. They have to lose what they have. Tax them. If I want to get what I want, then we have to take it from them. Socialism. If I get what I want, we have to cancel entrepreneurship altogether. It's a good idea. But that's, but that's, but that's, that's been a paragon. That's been a good person. Oh, some people made it in life and, and they earned everything they got and they, and they changed the world in the process, gave us everything that we wanted. Let's get rid of entrepreneurship. Let's get rid of them. That's it, you know, uh, uh, what, what the hell do you call it? Um, socialism is just the cancel culture, you know, you know, the extremely radicalized cancel culture, uh, you know, that cancels billionaires. That, 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 that really is all it is in a nutshell, if you really think about it, you know. And this goes even further, you know, if, if we want to cap it off, you know, the whole idea is that a lot of people in reality is operating from, uh, uh, you know, this, this win-loss paradigm, this, this competition paradigm instead of this, you know, collaboration paradigm. They don't want to share and be the strip that rises all 
the tide that rises all ships. They want one ship to crash and burn while they escape to the exit and win. They want to put another person down so that they can get the end. They, they can't fathom a way that both people can win. And, it, you know, if we bring it full circle, that kind of is, is alluded to with this guy talking about how people talk about fair sh- like this, this conversation of fair share. Okay? It's a complete win-lose conversation. The problem that, you know, these hopeless romantic guys run into is that from a win-lose competitive paradigm, they want to get to the top and they don't want anybody else to get to the top and it disables them from seeing what is valuable to, to women in the first place. If you know what's valuable to somebody, they will provide you something of value, value to get that in return. Transactions are what bring people together. But they're unable to see that. And similarly, this fair share, fair share, fair share conversation, it's about my fair share. Because the thing is, what you're essentially trying to do with this fair share conversation, with this raise the minimum wage conversation, which don't get me wrong, I want to, you know, if if people can get more money, you know, and that's cool. I don't give a damn. Give them more money. Who cares? You know, I, this, this is the surviving a cancel podcast. So that means don't cancel anybody. If the United States want socialism as long as other people are allowed to leave and go wherever they want if they don't like it then get out give them socialism like you know don't block people's ideas and put it down because you don't agree with it if y'all want socialism do the socialism thing that's okay but leave other people out of it that don't want to be a part of it you understand what i'm saying don't affect nobody in that process i'm pro whatever i'm pro be free be be you know do what you want you know but but to kind of not get off track you know, it comes to this, you know, this idea of, oh, oh, you know, they, you know, they're not giving me a living wage. Well, you're not helping anybody else to live. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they're not giving me my fair share. But how is it going to be fair when, you know, the definition of fair in this instance is completely decided by you? It's not like you met with the other side and said, hey, this is what I think I'm worth. What do you think? And why do you think that? You said, this is my fair share because I believe it. Women should love me. Because I'm, you know, they should love me for me. Because I'm so great. They should love me for me, right? When you get to the other side of that conversation, you stop being a hopeless twat, a hopeless romantic. You understand that people shouldn't love you for you. You should, they should love you because you gave them value. Now, people should love you for you in, in, in a weird way, but you get what I'm saying. You got to be valuable to people in the first place. And you're not being valuable to other people. You understand what I'm saying? Like this, you know... The problem, you know, everybody, the problem with the fair share, minimum wage, whatever conversation is, the problem is that everybody wants to get paid more, right? And this is this is alluding to this entire paradigm that I'm talking about, this win-lose paradigm, this competition instead of collaboration paradigm. Instead of working together, it's just let's try to beat them paradigm. Everybody wants to get paid more. Everybody wants to win, right? But they don't want to be more valuable to other people. They want to continue doing exactly what they're doing, which society collectively, even your peers who work at the same place, because you all accept the same contract, have defined isn't very valuable. You talk about fair share, but you, you so so you want a greater share, but you don't want to exhibit a greater value as defined by the people around you. You don't want to exhibit a greater value as design, you know, and, and, and that's my whole problem with it. Because if you decided to, okay, I'm going to be more valuable, guess what? Your pay would increase. Your lifestyle would increase. 
and it's not a completely complicated you know conversation because if you look at the the, the corporate structure the the levels of what is valuable is lined out you know is 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 aligned for you in, in plain like plain as day like it's right in front it's literally the corporate ladder what's above you a manager they think society thinks managers are more valuable what's above that the store leader they think that's more valuable Okay, what's above us? What's above a store leader? I don't know. Corporate. Corporate gets paid how much? They're more valuable. Like, what's more valuable in society is literally like right in front of you. People think doctors are pretty valuable. That's why they get paid like that. People think engineers or software engineers who get paid five hundred grand a year at Facebook and, and Google, they think they're pretty valuable. So. People, because it's a win-loss situation, like if you were in a win-win situation, you would realize, okay, I want more pay. I want to win, but they want to win too. So I have to be more valuable to them to get more value value from me. But instead, you want to say, oh, I'm not getting my fair share. I don't want to increase my value. I just want more pay. You're thinking at a lower level paradigm, and that's the reason for all your woes in life. It's not because... You know, a systematic issue, or somebody's trying to hold you back, or some invisible forces impressing, uh, you know, oppressing you, or anything like that. It's because the way you're looking at the world, and a lot of the ways in which you view the world, in my personal opinion, is causing you to misconstrue the data that is provided, or that is resulting from people trying to help you in the first place. That's all I have to say in this podcast. So, man, I'm towards the end of this podcast. I know it was super crispy at one point in the beginning. But as the podcast wore on, I got kind of exhausted. I'm actually kind of delirious at this point in time. I don't even know if this is a good podcast or so, but y'all can be the judge of that. Um, this is Dallas from the Surviving the Cancel podcast, and there is a witch hunt on billionaires. People are attempting to cancel unrightfully and unethically cancel billionaires. Cancel people who are rich. Cancel the people who gave you essentially this phone you're typing on. Who you think made that? If billionaires never existed, you wouldn't have it. Just think about that, man. This is Dallas, and this is the Private Castle Podcast. I'll speak to y'all later. Thank you, thank you for, thank you so much for listening to me rant. I appreciate it. <laughs>